Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike. And I'm Marty. And this is Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Let's get it started. Yes, well, I start those three games, probably not get me those two wins. I mean, the guy could even put you up a shutout. He's playing that well for That's Toronto the, right now, man. He really is. He is. And, you know, he I, likes it there, eh? He really, you know what? We're in it, and I kind maybe we're doing something different today. Let's start with Check My Fanny because I, I think we, it's, it's gonna, it kind of parlays into around the boards. This is off the cuff here. We didn't even talk about this, folks. We're no, in the no, show we right didn't. now. Normally, we All start good. with around the boards. Uh, this is maybe a throwback to the way to our season one because we used to start with Check My Fanny and then we switched it to around the boards. Tonight, we're starting with, with Check My Fanny. So go through your notes, folks. Sure. Have some fun with this, Mike, because uh, we're doing we're doing uh, we're gonna do check my fanny first. So we're checking it off man. the top. There's a, there's a trade. So I made a trade with uh, with Jason. So I traded a third round 24-25 for Samsonov. Now the thing is, is I tried to get him uh, earlier in the season, almost like right out of the gates. I I went for, I went after him. I believe I at the time had offered him either a, a second or the, it was the third. It, Jay and I were going back and forth a little bit, not for very long. This deal kind of right away uh he asked me if i was still interested in him i said yes he said okay well at the beginning of the season we were doing second or third you think you can still do that i said let me look into it so i looked at my (laughs) that's the thing too (laughs) do yourself a favor mike if if you need a good chuckle go through the list have a look at what my picks look like for the next i don't know 20 years like i I don't i don't need to that's why i'm (laughs) chuckling already (laughs) it's it's funny because I'm at the point now where, okay, clearly I can't stop myself from trading away picks. This is a disease I have and I just can't let it go because every single year it's the same thing. I have the conversation with myself where I'm like, Marty, this year is going to be different. You're going to stop trading away all your damn picks and, and you know it never works for you. You've never won a championship in this league ever. Uh, in all my years playing uh, in this league, I think the closest I've ever gotten was possibly last year. Uh, I may have gotten second place a couple other times, but I think last year was my best overall record. That I'm sure of, actually. Uh, And coming in second is the closest I've ever gotten. And I've gotten that. I think I've done that twice before. And I might even... That might be... That might be wishful thinking. But anyways. I... I don't know if I need to keep status quo with my team, but it's moves like this that I feel like... It's a smart... In my mind. Like, And please, I'm going to let you talk here in a second. I think this is a smart move. A third third rounder for a guy I am right now, I immediately, okay, how do I protect this guy? What do I do? Who do I have to drop in order to do this? And I feel that if I can protect Samsonov, Thompson, and Saros. Now, the thing is about Samsonov is that he needs to sign a contract. This is a one-year contract. In order for me to protect him, I need to feel like he's either signed or about to sign a multi-year contract on a, on a team. Like if he signs... In Chicago, say, and the answer is no, I'm not protecting him. But let's say he resigns in Toronto. Let's say he signs in Winnipeg. Let's say he signs with a team that's going to get some W's. Sansonov, I would protect him wholeheartedly. And right now, I'm, that's what my hope is, is that the guys I'm trading away picks for, I'm going to keep and try to move forward with them. Because again, these are younger guys that I've traded for. Batherson is the other guy I'm talking about. Well, I mean, in in my personal opinion, it's probably a good move for you. Um, you know, you're sitting at 6-2-1, tied for second in the league. 
one game behind me. So like, there's no like four, four games back or anything like that. You're still right in it. Um, Tom mm. Thompson's been getting yeah. the job done for you. That that's that we can move that to yeah. the side. Saros is a obviously good yeah. goaltender to have. He is struggling a little bit this year. Um, Bobrovsky, unfortunately, mm-hmm. is kind of off the map for you right now at five and eight. It's just you, you yeah. can't kind of lean on him. So to pay a third. I chose to keep him, though, and drop Bertuzzi because at the end of the day, if 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 uh, Bobrovsky can find a way to turn it around, he's still on a on a good team. And having four goalies down the stretch is way better than having just the three. Bertuzzi's on the injured list again. Um, he really hasn't t- panned out. So to me, I think it was a no-brainer. I mean, Samsonov automatically kind of slots in as your kind of number two uh, at the pre- at the present moment mm-hmm. with Saros being the third. But you and I both know that if you know if everything kind of goes as planned, Saros will probably pick up his game here a little bit, depending on if the team can kind of help him out yeah. as well. But no, overall, good move for you. Um, you know, it's it's probably it, it's kind of a deadline move deadline move for you just early. Like it's just get kind of kind of getting kind of getting after right. it a little bit, you know what I mean, and not having to maybe pay yeah. as expensive a price. It's a good move for you, especially with where your goaltending's at right now. It's not horrible, but it's certainly it's that's a good point. Uh, not as expensive of a price. I, thank you for that. That's a very good point. I feel like a third rounder made this deal a lot easier for me to swallow. Um, had it been a second, that would have been, I, I think, too much for, for Samsung because there's still too many question marks for a guy who is in a platoon right now. So to go out and give up a second rounder is, I think, too much. A third rounder is where it's like, okay, now it's, I obviously would have preferred a fourth rounder because in the end, again, those question marks. He's only got the one-year contract and he's doing a platoon. So hard to justify even protecting him as of today. Like this is kind of a way for you to hit the waiver wire a little bit in all honesty. I mean, you're in a situation where, you know, we're probably a good solid four weeks away here, like, four, and that and that's including this week. So we're four weeks away basically from our midseason draft. So you still can't get your hands on anybody yeah. for the next 30 days. So you're going out and you're going out and trying to, and again, you know, and let's be real. I'm not going to be able to pick anybody up. I oh, got yeah. no I mean, uh, so, I, I, mean, gotta I do have your way. first round mid-season. So, I mean, there it is. There it is. But you, I you got know, nobody. Good, good, I'm not getting anybody. Good move. This is my team. And <laughs> it, it's, it shores things up a little bit for you in the meantime. And then once we can get to um, the mid-season, then you can start to kind of pick away at the scraps and see what's going on there. Who gets let go? Who's still available? Uh, all that kind of good stuff. So, But it's a good move for you. And like you say, you're trying to trying to get younger at the same time when possible and certainly doing that yeah. with Samson off and um, uh, Batherson. And like you said, and like you said, Batherson. I mean, those are picks mm-hmm. where your intent is to keep these players. So it becomes even that much more um, uh, easy to swallow, if you will, uh, for that third rounder. So not mm-hmm. good, good move, good move where you're at. And that's, and that, and, that's kind of and there's 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 another there's a third or four I don't know where we're at there's another agenda behind all this now I don't know if you noticed right after I went out and I got uh, Piertangelo within the same deal with Batherson um, he there's a illness in his family uh, you know Godspeed I hope everything turns out okay for him uh, not really sure what the issue is there but um, all that being said I have not I dressed him one week and he hasn't played. 
So I there was one week I didn't dress him, and which was last week, and then the week before that I dressed him, but there no points. So I don't I have yet to gain anything out of that trade. Uh, but Piertangelo is another player who I'm most likely going to be keeping because one thing I'm noticing right now, which is I guess sort of the 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 circumstances around the changing in the rule for our league where goal where a, a goal for a defenseman is worth two. There's some strategies around that that I'm I personally am still trying to work my way around. And going into this year, it's actually something very popular with our league. I notice I think there's only myself and I think only one other team that has two defensemen on the bench. Now I've got two defensemen. Now they're both on the IR. One of them is uh, uh Wawenski out of Columbus. So he's gone for the season and the other one is I just mentioned Pietangelo who He's got no timetable to return. So, but let's say all things considered, they're both healthy. I think in our league, because the defensemen's, like I said, that extra point with the goal, there's like, as an example, Shane Gossespear, I thank God I went out and I got him because holy moly, is he ever turning out to be a great acquisition for me on this team? And this is Shane Gossespear on on Arizona team. And I'm saying that about him, but it's true. Last week he got He's me your seven top points. Defenseman. Twenty hundred percent. So, and it's because of those goals, yeah. right? So, the strategy around that has really changed how you need to shape your team going into this season. So, I'll go back to what I was saying, where there's only two teams that actually have two defensemen on the bench, and I think that's actually the better way to go because a lot of us usually play where you've got the one defenseman on the bench because. You know, an injury, okay, slot him in. Another injury, ah, okay, not the end of the world. It's a defenseman. You don't get that many points from him. Not true anymore. Now you really, we're all kind of leaning on some top defensemen. Like Scott, as an example, has got Carlson. He, leaning he- <clears throat> heavily on Carlson during his hot streak, which, streak, sorry, streak, which is what helped Scott win all those games when he, when he was winning those games. He's kind of hit a bit of a slump. One last week, all good. Um, but you see what I'm saying? <clears throat> I needed to change. I need to change my, my, um, my strategy around how I'm going to develop, not develop, how I'm going to, ca- uh, d- um, create my team at the beginning of the season because I've got those two defensemen sitting. I can't really cover that. I'm not going to go out and get an, a third defenseman to cover the other two that are sitting. So I figured, you know what, maybe a, another goalie who's playing really well and I can get more W's cause I'm kind of lacking mm-hmm. that category can sort of help me pick up the the points that I'm missing because the other four that I've got starting and Anderson out of Calgary, uh, Dunn, who's, I think he set a record, was it, last night or the night before? He had 29 minutes in a game. Like, that's absurd. Um, Taze, who we'll get at a little bit later, uh, and Gossesbury, as I mentioned. So those four starting, and I've got no room for injuries. Um, hopefully, Pretangelo comes back and I can sort of reap the benefits there because he was having a hell of a season. But until then... Hopefully my goalie can actually help so mend the gap because Saros again isn't playing that great. So that's that's the other strategy I went with as to justifying giving up a third for Well, Sam it's kind Paul. of funny that you mentioned the uh um the defenseman and the scoring and and, and the whole strategizing of it. I mean, going back to when I took Heiskin in first overall at the draft this year in September. Youth, youth, yeah. um I, I personally felt like he was going to be a player that was going to take uh, um, the next step. 
And going to the whole goal situation, they wanted him to be more selfish. So they wanted him to shoot the puck more on the power play. We knew he was going to be taking over the power play. Listen, I have no idea. I mean, there was nothing I was really going off of in regards to the past, in regards to his goal scoring, because it was going to be so much more different. I wanted the player first and foremost. Like, it wasn't me going after goals, per se. I wanted the player first. It was just kind of a bonus on top of it, because I figured he may get a little bit of a jump that way. But yes, it's definitely something that is is coming into play. Uh, It certainly uh, um, reared its ugly head at the draft last year. And what I mean by that is that there were several teams that uh, did keep three defensemen. Um, and, and go heavy on D, so that wasn't something that had to be um, looked at as early in the draft. And you can also, and you can also see yeah. that there is quite a drop off from, let's say, the t- I'll say loosely here, the top ten, top twelve defensemen in the league, and then there's somewhat of a drop. I'll even go top fifteen, and then there's kind of a drop off. Where, whereas yeah. with forwards, it's kind of a plenty, you know. 90 95 100 115 players in right you're still able to get somebody who can maybe do something for yeah. you where the defenseman is just a little bit uh, of a shorter uh, track there so it, it certainly is coming into play True. in regards to our league that's for sure uh both in protection lists and where you strategize a little bit some guys do tend to want to maybe grab that d early they want a certain guy and some guys are willing to wait and just kind of take what's what's left over. I, I'm not saying you. I'm not saying you. Mm-hmm. You were waiting for what was left over. But a good example would have been Gossespear. I don't necessarily think you took him super early in that draft. I don't believe. I want to say he was more. Uh, no, I traded for oh, him. Okay, okay. I traded okay. for him. I traded Tom for him. Tom had him. Um, I had him last year as well. Um, and then Tom picked him up this year, and I traded a fifth for him. Okay. So it really didn't cost right. me too much. Not a, not a bad move. Um, which turned out to be very good. He's got 26 and 20. Well, he's got 20 and 26, but six of those are goals. So rounds out to 26 and 26 in our league. Um, Quinn Hughes still doesn't have a goal, eh? 25 assists in 24 nuts, games. Eh? That's crazy. Well, listen. That is. I wonder if he well, goes listen, the whole before, season. Before I, I get, get off topic myself, because I know I can just go run on a tangent. Let me go ahead and run down the scores for our listeners here, Marty, real quick. Oh, man, so what a week. yourself, yeah. the Brigands, big win this week, 44-39, keeping pace with yeah. the top teams here. Demons Woo! and the Royals, it was a 46-36 to win for the Royals. The Dragons in the Apocalypse, listen, not because obviously my team was involved in man. this, but I was watching this thing until like 10, 10-15, 10-30 oh. last night. Honestly, honestly thought... Yeah. Something was going to happen for Joel in regards to that third period. He had McAvoy, Bergeron, and Stone playing. Nobody from nobody from his yeah. Bruins got him anything. And of course, the 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 well, big surprise. I, I, it was so funny because I'm like, okay, nobody do anything. But then I'm like, okay, but if nobody does anything and it stays one one and it goes to overtime, Boston's going to send yeah. out Bergeron, McAvoy, yeah. and Pasternak, <laughs> and 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 then Las Vegas is going to send out Stone. <laughs> And like whoever else, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, so I don't want it to go to overtime either. But what, so and anyway, no. <laughs> I just kind of hung on there. Super, super uh, uh, happy about that win, obviously. Uh, big, big win. Uh, hey, listen, I mean. Well, you came from behind too. That's the other thing too. Like it's it's not like, it's not like you, you were, it, first of all, it wasn't tight early on Joel really seemed to be running away at one point he had double digit lead on you I want to say either on Wednesday 
maybe two, no, Wednesday. I, th I think it was Wednesday. He still had a double, Tuesday or Wednesday, he still had a double digit lead on you. And then slowly and surely started catching up. But then I think Saturday was your big night. You had a big night on Saturday. Um, but one thing I, I want to point out, which is, it's it's kind of indicative of the type of season that we're having. Like both of you guys had really good weeks at 49 and 48 points, but neither of you really doing anything in the way of goalies. Now you had six points out of Sturkin, which is a good week. That is a good week for a goalie, three wins. Nothing wrong with that. That's a what you would almost consider to be a, a typical week for your yeah. all-star goalies that play on your team. That's a 6.3 wins, absolutely. But you got a big fat zero from Sorokin and Joel Talbot and Vasilevsky, one win apiece. So Joel ends up with four points on his goalies to your six for yours, which really all, like I said, all came out of one goal. This is something I've noticed that happens a lot in everybody's weeks. I talked about it last week where I said the goalies are still playing good, and it's true they hit. are. Um, look at me, I. But they, exactly now, like Thompson last week got one win. Saros, nothing. So I got two points out of my goalies last week. Not to be outdone though, Ryan, zero points for Markstrom and an overtime loss for Jonathan Quick. So one point. I actually beat him in the goalies category two to one. That's pathetic. There's there's nothing to write home about there. I mean, um, Samsonov got a shutout and Knight didn't even play. So that's Jason's five to nothing. Hellebuck and Odinger. Four piece. Those are that's a good. That's a that's a. To me, I look at that. I consider that to be what you should be expecting from your goalies. Like solid four, three to four points, or sorry, not three to four, three to four wins a week, or whatever it is. However, games they're like more than two points, and certainly more than well, zero. That, that leads so. me into your dad having the best week. He he had he got that eight points out of his goalies. Oh. He had a. He, it's not that, a tear. The last game that I have written down here is uh, your dad and the Buccaneers with a big 52 to 27 win over the Pond Hogs. Obviously, the Pond Hogs in a rebuild. So, I mean, that was kind of over fairly early during the week. But, I mean, it, it, you, listen, <laughs> you got three teams here, 7 uh, 1 and 1 with the Dragons. The Apocalypse and the Brigands sit at 6 2 and 1, uh, all in the Howe Division. The Howe Division is just uh, another gauntlet again this year. It's just, I mean, poor Ryan, he's just getting. He's just getting fed here right now by yeah. divisional matchups. You got to assume he he's going to sell soon, right? Like he's you have to assume some of his players are going to become available. And I'm not saying all of them, but I would assume players like maybe a Debrinkat who's not turning out to be what he is. However, I could also understand why he would want to keep him because he's young and he's on a team that's exciting and, and the future is bright. Now he hasn't, he still hasn't, re he hasn't signed a new contract with Ottawa no, though, right? No, Debrinkat? he hasn't signed it. And so there's still and a the question interesting thing about Ryan is that both Ryan and Tom are kind of known as more, I would say retool rather than rebuild it. Now right. we'll see how it all works out for Tom. He certain at first it certainly looked like a complete rebuild here, uh, maybe not a full teardown, but I would say a rebuild. Uh, depending on how things turn out yeah. here with Matty Beniers and uh, Zegris, it could be a quick rebuild. Like Beniers is playing really, really well. You're right. And I mean, when it comes to when mm. it comes to Ryan, it, we'll see how this all all comes down. I mean, he's never ever done a full on rebuild. It's always been a retool, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes about his business here. I mean, got some good pieces. He's got Connor, he's got Huberdeau, who's maybe not having the best year, but he's still a good piece to hold on to. Panarin, obviously, point, point, like that's 
Braden Point, uh, unless you know off the top of your head, how old do you think Braden Point is? I want to say he's 30. He's <laughs> 26. Oh, wow. Okay. Doesn't that feel stupid? That, that feels wrong. He's been in the league for seven years, and he's only 26 years old. He's still a young piece to keep. Like, yeah, that's absurd. Yeah. That it's it's and he's a proven young piece to keep on a great team. The only thing you so, the only thing you you want to watch out with him is his injury history. Yeah, yeah. But even I mean, having said that, he's one of those guys where when he does play, he scores. Kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of like Malkin. I mean, Malkin tends to you know miss about ten to twelve True. games a year there lately, and but but yeah. he's the same thing. I mean, but when, when he, he plays, play, he, he scores. So he's lights out. Yeah. So I I, I do feel. I need to apologize to Scott. I think I got I flew off the handle at the beginning of the season with his team. I still think he on paper, I still think he has um I guess I'll say one of the best teams. When I look at his team, I get the most excited. I'll say that. Because he's got a great mix of players that are doing it now and who will be doing it for several years to come. He's got a great young core, and nothing's really gonna change on his team for easily the next five years and he could be legitimately in contention every single year for the next five years there's not too many holes on his team he you know you're not gonna you're never gonna have a perfect season so you're gonna lose some games you gotta lose them every once in a while he's only lost the three games he can go the rest of the way and end up with only three losses and it would still be the best record we've ever seen but uh, my point is is that i may have gone <laughs> may have gotten a little too hyper about his team and potentially threw on a jinx to him so i apologize scott I do not apologize whatsoever uh, in, 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 in any way, shape or form. Um, and, and this is one, and this on is him. one of the reasons why <laughs> Scott is in that enviable, enviable position um, where if, if he, if he, let's say he does win it. Okay, great. Like he okay. basically almost go from worst to first type of deal. Great job. Awesome. Good stuff. Yeah. But he's in a situation where <laughs> if he, let's say he, he has a bad second half of the season. And he finishes, I don't know, mm-hmm. fourth overall. Okay. Okay. His team, his team is kind of it's it's teeter teetering on. Is it ready to com- fully on compete, or are they just that little bit away? Do you know what I mean? Like we've all we oh, like yeah. we've all been there where the one year we're like, okay, well we made a bit of a move up the standings, and then the following year you really make that move up to the top of the standings. Yeah. If if he was to fall off and finish fourth, that's a great year for him. It, it's a great year no matter like from where from where his team was last year to let's say it is fourth overall, right? It, yeah. He's in, whereas and I'll use yourself, myself and Joel as an example, if any one of our teams were to fall off, I think you I think any one of the three of us could could agree that that would be that that would be hard to swallow. We're we're all three of us 100% yeah. like all in right now it's all in now it's all in it's now scott is Mm. in that spot where if it isn't now no big whoop because like you mentioned previously he's got that that i mean his protected list is going to be one of the youngest protected lists and that's what i'm saying like if he was to drop off such a problem no big deal no big deal he 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 could he could still sit there and be well that wasn't a bad year i mean he had a, no. you know, he came out of the, he came out of the gates just firing on all, all cylinders. All, all of our teams yeah. will do that at one point during the year. True. If he, if he falls off, no big whoop. But if any one of the three of us fall off, 
we're like, oh shit. Like, I mean, I, I like I, I'm yeah. in it to win it right now. You're spending a lot of uh, draft capital. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have a first round pick. Panic button. I don't have a first round uh, entry next year. So it, it it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how this all plays out again. And, you know, are we going to end up with like another trading frenzy as we lead up to the deadline like we did last year? Because, <laughs> Marty, that was so fun, I think, for everybody involved, even if you were a team. Yes, but we've traded a lot already. All of us. We've all gotten involved really early. I don't know what's left. Now, I say that from my perspective because I feel I've given away my best pieces. I don't have... I've got maybe one or two pieces left that I'd be willing to give up in terms of picks mm. and that's it. So I, and I even, even saying that, um, I don't think I necessarily want to just cause like, holy geez, I, I still need to pick up some players at some point. <laughs> so, um, but you guys, you guys might be in a better position than me, but I don't know. We've all been pretty active pretty early. Well, I mean, I certainly, and I, I won't, uh, I won't talk any more about this here. We'll kind of slide into around the boards here shortly. But um, I mean, for, for me, it's a, it all comes down to Tom kind of making the, the final decision that he was going to start moving some pieces, start kind of, yeah. you know, retooling, rebuild, whatever you want to use. And, you know, I mean, everybody kind of had, had their pick. I mean, obviously, it certainly seems like uh, he had it for Beneers and Segris because, I mean, he certainly didn't come to me with McKinnon because had he come to me with McKinnon, I, yeah, I think I, different story. I would have figured something out, I think, to kind of get my hands on him. Now, having said that, I yes. mean, he's out for the next, what, four weeks? So, I mean, whatever. I think it's four weeks, yeah. I think he's out right till the beginning of January or something like that. Like, right till the beginning yeah. of the new year. But, um, hey. Poor Colorado. Oh, we'll get into them a little bit later, too, and around the boards. But, yeah. man, oh, man. It's, uh, it's going to be an interesting year. And, like you said, I mean, we kind of got on to the uh, bandwagon. Uh, of making some trades here early it'll be interesting to see if that kind of continues here throughout the year or does it does our trade deadline not kind of hit you like it did last year because we've made some trades i don't know i i personally think that we could be in for another another bit of a frenzy here at the deadline i think it, it, I, it, I think I don't think we get into a frenzy, but I think we get into bigger moves. I think you see bigger names and bigger pieces going back and forth, but you not as many as so you're talking more quantity or quality than quantity this year. I think that's what we're looking at because last year there was nothing. There were no trades until the trade deadline. And then we all just sort of like, what not? All right, let's wake the fuck up. Yeah. But this year for whatever reason, like you said, like Tom kind of hitting it early with Scott, which triggered, um, I believe you and then me, I've done, this is my third deal already before the trade deadline. I don't think I've ever done that before. Um, and I tried two other times. So I, I, I mean, in theory, there's a, there's a chance that I'm up to five by now had the other two had gone through, but anyways, yeah, I, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing uh, quality, trades big names something at the trade deadline i'm i'm thinking to a certain extent as well we're just get, we're getting more sophisticated in how we go about our business and what i mean by that in this particular case is we do not have a daily fantasy league we do not have a uh, free agent list that we can grab from at any point uh throughout uh, um, uh the year or in between our draft in september and our mid-season draft uh in january so 
to supplement that rather than just kind of sitting there and saying, okay, well, I'm just going to kind of run with what I got, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of our way of pushing the daily fantasy, if you will, kind of to our league, knowing full well. And and, and I love the fact that we are not daily. I love the fact that we have to make these trades. If we are going to get, it it gets things moving. Sometimes a guy could start to panic. Maybe he, he's falling behind first couple of weeks. He wants to stay with the, the big wigs, he goes out, makes a trade, and that yeah. could be a mistake. So it, it lends itself yeah. to a lot of scenarios, but I certainly do uh, believe that we're getting more f- sophisticated as managers, and we're not just willing to sit around and, you know, wait for a certain guy to kind of hit his hit his hot streak. We're, we're, we're looking to make a move and, and figure it out right away to a certain degree. To a certain degree, yeah. Um, all right, so moving right along, now we're going to go right into around the boards, and I know there's a couple of things, uh, there's four teams we want to sort of get into a little bit, and um, I, I'm going to I'm going to start I'm going to start with something that I was a little surprised with, um, which is LA. Now they're the leading, they're in, they're tied technically with Boston for the league league in goals for, which at 106. And not only that, they currently sit fifth in the West at 15-11 and five. Look, there's they're in fifth not because they're playing lights out. While they do currently sit tied in the league, like I mentioned, for goals four, they're also the bottom three for goals against with 112. So we're all aware of what happened to Peterson, but full disclosure, he's actually appeared or responded, sorry, uh, rather well since being demoted to the AHL. He's 3-1 and one with a 201 goals against and a 939 save percentage. So if he can figure it out and come back ready to prove what he's worth, this team has another shot at doing something solid in the playoffs, something interesting anyways. Kevin Fiala, as an example, uh, he's proven to be um, kind of a brilliant pickup. I saw him doing well there. I don't think I saw him doing as well as he's currently doing over a point a game. Now, 32, 32 points in 31 games. It's still over a point a game. I don't know that I necessarily saw him at a point a game. But nevertheless, outside of him, though, it's not like anyone's really creeping up to a career year. So exactly how are they doing it? Well, simply put, they're kind of a scrappy fight, claw your way to a victory kind of team. Uh, there's no quit, basically. Um, the vast majority of their game ends within two goals or less meaning they're always right in it. So while no one on their team is running away with the Rocket Richard Trophy, they do score a lot of goals, sitting 10th in the league in goals four at 339. So near as I can tell, this team is leaning on everyone at the same time. And Todd McLennan is running a rather tight ship. And no one other than three defensemen are averaging, sorry, averaging over 20 minutes a game. So that really means that this team is playing together. Again, we talk about this a lot. Teams that do well tend to play within the system that they're all buying into. So that kind of seems what LA is really doing right now. So if Peterson can actually figure it out, come back up, because it's not like Jonathan Quick decided, all right, I'm going to turn this ship around and just be awesome again, like he did last year, um, given the fact that there's nobody in his way. It's his, to, it's, it's his number one job to have. He's not really doing anything with it. So why is this team still doing so good? Well, one big reason is that they've played more games than anybody else in the West. Um, so I do think it catches up to them at some point. I don't necessarily think this is sustainable for them, but Hey, look what they did last year. Maybe this is actually a repeat of last year with a little bit better. Um, cause again, Fiala is, or not, uh, sorry. Uh, oh yeah. Fiala, he actually, yeah, he's coming and done pretty good for them. 
And if, uh, like I said, if they can just figure something out nets, they might actually be a little bit more of a, just a fifth place team. They might be a little bit more of a, a tougher team to play against in the playoffs. Well, I mean, they certainly got what they were looking for uh, in the offseason uh, with Kevin Fiala. I mean, 32 points in yeah. 31 games. That's exactly what you were looking for whenever you brought him in. So they, they've they certainly got... I didn't think he would get there, though, I'll be honest. I didn't no, think... I, I mean, I have to admit, with a new team, new system, you know, kind of changing things up a little bit here, I mean, I wasn't... Sh- I certainly didn't... I certainly couldn't sit here and tell you that he was going to be a point-per-game player, you know, a little over uh, a quarter of the way into the season here. But you know what? Right. When it comes to LA, I mean, you summed it up really kind of well. They're a good team. They can obviously score. They're right up there. Um, Obviously, the defensive game and their goaltending is obviously where their weakness is. Uh, That's completely and utterly evident. But you know what? This is a team that... This is that type of team where it could surprise you a little bit. They end up in the second round. Maybe they push somebody to like a sixth, seventh game in the seventh round. You know, maybe quick kind of gets on a little bit of a, a heater there in the playoffs. You never know. Could, I yeah. mean, he's yeah. got he's got the uh, the background. He's got the pedigree to do it. Of course, he's long in the tooth. But I mean, Marty, we've seen it time and time again. And and I'll I'll say it uh, the, the same the same way every year. All you need is a goaltender to get hot for ten days. If he gets hot for ten That's days it. in the playoffs, a week and a half, that right there is a series done over. So yeah, I mean, it's true. La, I I don't see them making too much noise in the playoffs. What I mean by that is I could see them win a first round. I, I could see that happening. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, if they were to make it to a second round, I don't see them kind of doing much more than that in all honesty. But listen, Rob Blake has his team situated where it needs to be right now. He knows he's in a transition period. That's that's obvious. I mean, there's quite yeah. a discrepancy from the younger players to the older players there's not a lot of middle ground per se at this particular Mm -hmm. moment so i mean what you see is kind of what you get with la they're going to come in there they're going to knock your socks off in regards to scoring some goals and i mean even a guy like uh kopitar right now he's doing rather well i mean he's not a point of game player but he certainly has been productive for a 35 year old centerman so i mean absolutely it's kind of all you can ask for offensively out of that team and in all reality, it's kind of all you can ask for from the def- defensive game and the goaltending. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, Doughty is nowhere near what he used to be. Uh, I mean, hell, the guy, you know, here I was banking on him yesterday and the guy doesn't even show, right? Like, I mean, he's out of the lineup last night. And I'm just like, <laughs> holy fuck. Yeah. So anyway, I'm... Thanks, bud. Yeah, exactly. It's like, thanks for coming out, brother. Thanks for coming out, buddy. Jeez. <laughs> it's like... Wow. So... Why did I give you a jersey? So with LA, what you see is what you get. And, but having said all of that, they they are going to be a fun team to watch. Period. Yeah. And and there's a, and there's a couple of the guys that I, I... Like, one of them actually is um, uh, Velarde. And he he kind of exploded out of the gates early mm-hmm. on, and I thought, oh wow, like this this kid might actually have a career year, and he he's still well on his way for that. He's actually leading the team with 13 goals, uh, 19 points in 30 games overall. Um, bad. He's slumping. No, not bad at all. <clears throat> he's hit a bit of a slump lately. I think it's because the McLennan has actually kind of juggled him around the lineup a little bit lately. Um, another player who's been injured for a while, who when he comes back, he's supposed to be back on Tuesday, will have a massive impact. In the goals category, uh, one Iafalo, he's been out for a while, but he, it says here he's low body, lower body will return to the lineup Tuesday against Ottawa. 
So when he comes back, I think this team basically picks up right where they left off when he when he got injured, which was playing the way they're playing is scrappy. But this guy can actually help out their offense. He's a top six guy for them. I believe he's going to go right back on the top line, uh, even strength and power play which is going to spread out that level a little bit more, which I think is part of the reason why Velarde maybe has slipped up a little bit, maybe a little bit too much pressure for him, not quite ready. He's only 23, and even though this is fourth year in the league, um, he's averaging around 16 minutes a game, which is, I think, a little bit above his pay grade just because he's, over the years, he's only averaged somewhere around 13, 14, which is where Alex Iafalo was right before he got injured. So you can kind of see that Velarde kind of stepped in Picked up a, a little bit of the slack, but has maybe not crumbled under the pressure, but just it's too much for him right now. These things need to sort of settle down for him, for the team as a whole. And I think you're going to start to see leveling off there. And and Eofalo is a great player. Um, I had him for a little while. I actually felt like he was one of the young ones I kind of wanted to keep, but I didn't see L.A. becoming this offensive mm-hmm. force, which... They kind of are now, and they're definitely a team that you want to look at because if you look up and down their lineup, like again, nobody's running away with the Rocket Rocket Richard Trophy here, but you got a lot of nine, ten, eights, nine, thirteen, seven goals guys. They're they're just spread out all over this team, so there's there's a lot to like on this team. And now, while maybe nineteen points in twenty eight games doesn't jump out at you, but it will when you find out that Sean Dersey, a defenseman who's got nine, 19 points, like I said, with and in our league with the four goals, it's actually 23 and 28. All of a sudden, hell, I could use that on my team. He's better than three of the defensemen I've got on my team right now. So it's not really a team I ever considered to look at in terms of fantasy for, for offense. But I think if you really sort of peel the onion on this on this team, you've got a lot of players you can choose from. Nine and nine, 18 points in 30 games for Arthur Kaliev. Nice job, bud. Kaliev, nice job, Marty. Way to go. Nice. Atta boy. On the spot. But this is what I'm getting at. Like uh, Adrian Kempe not even having that great of a year for his for by his terms. Ten goals is still nothing to sneeze at. So there's a lot to pick there for for fantasy managers for sure. So Marty, moving along here, I think you and I, I think you and I should probably team up on this one. Your, your, yeah, for the Toronto. I'll, yeah. I'll throw in, yeah. I'll throw in one of yeah. one of my uh, beauties, which is the Toronto okay. Maple Leafs goaltending. But I think Marty, you got a little bit that you want to say about all this when it comes to basically the team as a whole here. I, I want to give credit where credit is due because, quite frankly, I I was very vocal about the fact that Matt Murray was not going to be the answer. And now, listen, I'm going to say this to apologize to Cal Dubas because I know he's been hurt by the things I've said about him. I know he listens every week, but <laughs> really, I'm still not I'm still not comfortable giving the reins to Matt Murray and saying, you know, it, it's yours, man, like, and just run with it. I, I don't, I still don't think that's where, if you want to be successful, especially in the playoffs, especially because it's Toronto, if you really want this to work, you have to look at Sam Snop as being your 1A and Matt Murray as being your 1B. It, exactly in that order, because how great is it to have a hot hand in Matt Murray as your backup goalie? When there's no reason not to have Sansonov as your 1A, just as much as you can flip that, and it's exactly the same conversation. 
So why not do it this way? Because you've got Matt Murray with the huge, huge question mark when it comes to health. At any given point, someone throws a rock at him the wrong way and he'll be out for the rest of the year. You know that that's a possibility because that's his history. That is absolutely what gets tied to him every time he goes on the ice. Don't tell me as a Toronto fan you aren't aware of that because of course you're aware of that. Ottawa was aware of that and Pittsburgh was aware of that. That's why they got rid of him. Is it possible that he's found some sort of magic healthy potion in the um in the well the in the, in Toronto where the doctors in Toronto have figured something out for him so that they can actually keep him healthy of course that's possible but how much better is it to have that as your backup especially because there's nothing wrong in having Samsonov as your number one and I'm saying that because I just picked up Samsonov and I want him to be the number one <laughs> well I was just about but in all reality go ahead go ahead go ahead I was going to say, in all reality, I don't know how that isn't. I would, it'd be, it'd be hard, I'd be hard pressed to be convinced that Samsonov as your 1A is not your better option than Matt Murray as your 1A. I'll just say that. Well, okay. I'm going to preface what I'm about to say for our listeners. Marty just did acquire Sergey Samsonov. And now, lo and behold, who is the owner of Matt Murray? Thank you kindly. Yours truly. So I am going to play devil's advocate here, and I'm going to start off my rant by saying, my name is Matt Murray, and I cannot hear what you're saying, Marty, because I've got my two Stanley Cops plugging oh, my Jesus. ears. Oh, stop it, Pat. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> now, having said that and getting that little ribbon, I believe, yeah. I believe you should go with Matt Murray as your 1A going into the playoffs. <sighs> Listen, if they keep it, no, if they if they keep playing the way they're playing, I go Matt Murray only because of, of the fact that he has the experience of what it is to march to the Stanley Cup on two occasions back to back, whereas Samsonov does not. This is not a slight at all in regards to Samsonov. I actually do think it was a no. very, very yeah. smart move to I mean when Washington let him go which I think was a bit silly to be very very honest with you yep I think Toronto was good to go out and get themselves a young goaltender who for all we know this could end up being the goaltender of the future in Toronto if he just for a minute sidebar by the way both goalies that Washington let go that were goalies last year uh Vitek Vanacek and Eli Samsonov both doing exceptionally yes. well on their respective teams. So good move there, Washington. Appar yeah, apparently Washington. No, not good enough for us. We're going to go out and yep. get Kemper. Nope. Okay, nope. no problem. See you later. <laughs> but th anyway. that's the way I would look at it, only because of the the uh, the experience. But again, like I say, Samsonoff has played extremely well. And I personally am even that much more impressed that he's played this well in Toronto. Because I mean, this guy kind of couldn't. True. This guy kind of couldn't figure it out in Washington, and I understand. That's a good. I point. understand yeah. why they didn't sign these guys. They just needed to move on with somebody more established. Blah 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 blah. But keep I, one I, though. But keep one. No, I, I would think so, Marty. Oh. I really, really would. I would have kept one of them. I don't know who who you decide to go with, but one of them for sure. And I mean, Toronto. Yeah. Look at me. Toronto pays what one point five million to get a a, a guy that's twenty first overall, first round pick. He's got a lot of pedigree. He's a big goaltender, six foot three. And I mean, Christ, I think he's only like twenty four or twenty five. Like Marty, when I was twenty four, yeah. twenty five, I was doing ridiculous shit. So I mean, <laughs> these guys are just coming into maturity now, and especially with a goaltender, he's he's now got a very very solid base 
from which to pull from in regards to how does this guy, what are his tendencies? What is this team's tendency? Like he's been around the, the block here now a couple of times. So uh, again, no Absolutely. slight to Samsonov. I do think you go with the experience when it comes to uh, Matt Murray, but I think what both Marty and I are saying in regards to Toronto and, and how they figured things out in nets, it certainly seems to be that way. Um, both obviously have had some injuries uh, already this year, which, again, I will echo Marty's sentiments in regards to saying that you're still kind of walking on eggshells a little bit. I mean, this is the Toronto Maple Leafs are looking for a Stanley Cup, period. Like this is this this isn't let's make it to the Absolutely. playoffs. This is we want the Stanley Cup. And when you start looking at the goal, ten, you start to get a little dicey. But again, yeah. And I, and I'll, this is the last time I'll say this. Both goaltenders are playing extremely well. The peripheral numbers are extremely extremely good. In particular with oh, in God, particular yeah. with Samsonov, he's under two. He's yeah. under two in uh, GAA, and I think he's over a nine thirty five yeah. save percentage, if I'm not mistaken. Close, 933. He's 188, 933 to Murray's 250, 926. Neither is a bad choice. So, I mean, I, I don't know about you, Marty, but, I mean, my answer to that that question is, yes, the Toronto Maple Leafs do have their goaltending figured out if we're being asked a question at the present moment. And that's and I do think this is this is exactly why, in my mind, I want Samsonov as the one. And, and it's because they're it's working out so well right now. And and you're right. You're right. Um, Murray's got the experience to march a team to the Stanley Cup. Um, I want him marching later. I want him marching in February. I don't want him marching right now. I want to make it to February having not leaned on that fragile body until I absolutely have to. Samsonov can get you to February with a very good record, 100%. He's currently sitting at 8-2-1 and, like I said, 188, 933. So, again, you can't go wrong. But this is, this is my logic for going this way because Samsonov, while, yes, he's got the one injury this year, and I believe he had an injury last year, he's still young. So there's no injury history there. You can still roll the dice and it be justifiable on his health. Whereas with Matt Murray, you roll the dice now and say, no, we're going to roll with Matt Murray night in and night out. Four game week, he's getting three games and Samsung's getting the one. Okay, fine. Come February, he is depleted. Very likely, there's a better chance of him being depleted come February than Samsonov is. That's what I'm getting but at. Marty. And for Matt Murray, for as good as he's playing, I want him later. But Marty, do you not think that even throughout the... And and if I didn't make myself clear, I, I certainly think it's a 50-50 throughout the, the year. Like when, yes. I, like when I say Matt Absolutely. Murray should yes. be your, your 1A, I'm talking playoffs. I'm talking when it comes to the playoffs, game one of the playoffs. Okay. I think Matt Murray is the guy you got to go with. Me, me, that's me personally. I mean, I mean, we're certainly allowed to all have our, our opinions. Uh I, I'd be going with him, but I, I mean, you, you can't, you kind of can't go wrong You're with right. the way they're playing right now. So that's true. Yeah. And I, and I do agree with you in the playoffs. It's Murray. I, not Samsonov. But, like as much as it'd be nice for Samsonov to get the experience. That's not the point. But I do agree you with want you Murray. Where, where you're saying like, you know, kind of lean to the younger guy just a little bit more throughout the year. Keep Murray yeah. a little bit more fresh for for the playoffs, so that there isn't. Yeah. If it's an injury, it's it's an injury. It's an injury. It's going to happen. Whatever. Right. But that's right. But at the same time, I mean, if you can kind of, 
you know, quell any issues with with Murray throughout the year. That that can only be beneficial for you. It's got to be nice for Toronto fans though right now to have their biggest issue be uh, how do we wake up Matthews. Um, not Marner, obviously. Marner's doing quite all right. Uh, same thing with JT. JT's absolutely been the reason why this team is even for the for the short for the season still young there, but for the for about a good two week stretch there, JT was basically the only player they could actually lean on heavily. Uh, Riley, obviously, with the injury, that's going to hurt them down the stretch, but it doesn't seem to be affecting them too too much. Toronto is still very much one of the best teams in the league. And a big reason for that is the fact that they've got that, tr- that goaltending situation figured out. They're third in the Eastern Conference, sitting with 42 points. But quite frankly, that puts them in first if they were in the West. So they're actually one of the best teams in the league. Nothing to be scared of right now. You've got time to let Matthews kind of figure this out. Your road record's gorgeous at 8-3-3, three, and three, and your home record's 10-2-3. and three. You're scoring 93 goals to 70 against. Everything's working really good. So Toronto's got a lot of reasons to be happy. These are things that are normally there, but it's that goalie situation figured out as good as it is that hasn't been there in a really long time. I've seen a couple people on Twitter talk about this team might be different this year. Heard that chatter before. All of this sounds like, you know, broken record kind of stuff. But this is this year's different. Well, I, I, I will say this in regards to it being a little bit different. Yeah. <coughs> I would not want to be without Riley for like a super, super Mm. long spell or anything to that effect. And I certainly wouldn't want to be going into the playoffs without him. Having said that, without him on on the back end, Mm -hmm. it's it's so hard to say that Matthews is struggling because he's not struggling point production wise. But let's say say Matthews is struggling as compared to Matthews. Okay. Right. Yes. All of this going on, you're in Toronto, the media is all over you every day, every day, yeah. practice, it doesn't matter. I like the vibe that's going on with this team, and I do feel maybe that there's kind of some, uh, that this team is really kind of starting to gel. Like, I mean, you've got your top defenseman out, so this has to be by committee here now, so and it's right. I, I guess what I'm what I'm trying to get to here. It's, it certainly seems like this team's. I want to say it's starting to, or it has a feeling like it's starting to become tighter knit. Do you know what I mean? Like it's. I don't know. And and they can take it whatever way they want. Like us against the world. You know, everybody wants to see the least yeah. fail. Whatever, whatever. But I just I feel a little something because I'm sorry, Marty. Whenever Riley went out, I'm like, ooh. Is this where things oh, yeah. start to kind of ta- derail? Tail off? Yeah. I, I don't know if I go full on derail, but does it start to tail off a little bit? Or are they going to go through a bit of a rough patch? And Marty, it's been the other way around. Like the lead. And, and listen, it pains me just as much as the next guy here as a Habs <laughs> fan. Yeah. But and the Leafs are playing yeah. arguably some of the best hockey some of the best team hockey, Marty, that we've seen them play in a while. We've seen the Leafs play well for large spells, but this is different. There just seems to be, we're not just relying on Marner, Matthews. Like, you know, that's what I like. like There's there's no Riley. We got to, we got to get this done one way or the other. And, and they are getting it done. Whether it's pretty or not, they're, they're winning the games. They're continuing to march up the standings. They're, you know, they're creeping up to Boston. So, 
like you said, things are yeah. things are pretty good in Toronto right now in, in regards to the team's performance. I'll, one more guy I want to talk about just real quick is William Nylander having himself quite the year, leading the, the team in goals right now with 17, I think is another big piece yeah. to this. Uh, Nylander was always sort of been sniffing at this kind of greatness over the years and never really sort of going over that. This year, really kind of rounding out into his own 33 points in 29 games, like I said, 17 goals, um, 18 minutes. So he's being relied on heavily, which is great to see. He's actually playing more than JT right now. Um, it's stuff like that. It's players like that that are going to make the difference on this team. And if they can just keep pushing this forward the way they're doing it right now, having that back end figured out the way they've got it figured out, this is different than other years. They've lost... They have they have had their share of heartbreak uh, in moments and in games that matter. Like I haven't like my heart goes out to them. The, the, the what's funny is the, the way they have lost over the years has made me into a Toronto fan um, in terms of they're in my top four kind of thing, um, and it's out of pity that I actually root for them at this point, which I'm sure they're going to love to hear that. Oh, yes, of course. Any <laughs> Toronto fan would love to hear that, now, wouldn't they? Especially coming, loves hearing especially coming from rival fans, rival Canadian, fa of course. Canadian fans as well. Oilers, yeah. So so listen here. Um, I don't want to uh, jump off the uh, Toronto bandwagon as much as we would love to. No, no. Much as we would love to have a yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs episode this week. But we will. Yeah. I will quickly move it, move it over to something we have been clamoring for, Marty. It happened. The Kraken let Shane Wright go to the World Juniors. Yes. Thank God. Oh, man. Thank God. They, they did exactly what they, we were hoping they would, Marty. They loaned him to Canada's World Junior Championship yeah. roster. And obviously, the kid's going to be a focal point. Uh, play first line, all, oh, all situations. Oh. And, and you know what? I really hope... I hope... I, I would certainly hope that he takes this all in a positive manner. You lost a year of, of eligibility during the pandemic. This is a, a big moment. This is one of those stepping stones that all, uh, you know, high draft picks go through at some point during their careers. He missed out on it. He's going to be the, one of the men down there. It, 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 to me, it's it, the best, best move. Centerpiece. It's the best move that they can make. Absolutely. Like he's going to be amongst his peers. Yeah. He should dominate. You know, you would have to hope. I mean, if he can kind of bag bag a gold medal, and then I would assume—I don't know—but I would assume he's going to head back to the OHL. Obviously, uh, Kingston's going to facilitate some sort of a trade to a contender. You figure there's going to be yeah. a nice deep playoff run for him, and then at that point, Seattle can start to decide how they want to kind of go from there. But at least, at least this guy's going to get all of the minutes that he can handle oh, which yeah. is which, so good oh, which is any every, which is what fantasy managers have been wanting all year listen seattle's been doing great i understand why this kind of path was taken a little bit but at the same time mm -hmm. though the poor kids kind of been sitting around here for the better part of a couple months let's get this guy going let's get him in some situations that where he can excel let's get him working on his game let's get him working on his confidence i mean not, yeah. not that he needs this big, you know, kicking the balls of confidence here. Like he, I'm sure he's still no. a fourth overall pick. I mean, he's he's been prepared for years now to to deal with all of this. But at the same time, yeah. you can't you can't sit here and tell me if this guy doesn't put up like seven goals and maybe I don't know twelve assists or or, oh. or I don't know I don't know like sixteen points throughout the tournament. Like that that can't be good for the guy. Come on now. I mean, 
The, the, oh man, he, it's going to be so exciting. He's going to get all the attention that he's craving, clearly that he's craving, um, and he's going to do well with it. I do, I do think he's going to do well. With it. I think he's he has learned some lessons with with humility, with how Seattle has brought him through, and and right or wrong, that's that's now history. Uh, they they did right by by loaning him out to Canada. This is going. This is his stage right now. This is his. To screw up, basically. Now you're now. This is all yours. The, the, you've wanted the spotlight. You want to show. You want to really put on a show. This is it. And I think he's going to absorb this. He is going to. He's going to own this World Junior Championship, hundred percent. I think this is going to be some some really exciting highlights that we're going to see out of him uh, during this tournament for sure. That's at least that's what I'm expecting out of him because it's like it's like poking at at the at the live animal in a cage, only to eventually open up that cage and let him loose on the guy that's been poking him this whole time. This is going to be exciting for sure. He's got the talent for it. He's but he was doing it in the AHL. I mean, I I just think you know I mean especially with the way things have gone in Seattle over the course the start of the year, and you know we did talk about it a couple of weeks back, Marty. I I don't think this was originally the path that they wanted to take with Shane, right? I think they really, at the end of the day, probably wanted to give him a few more minutes than he was getting. But I think once they, Could I think been. when they saw that they had something going there in Seattle, I mean, they've had a really, really good yeah. start to the year for a second year franchise. And, you know, it's, it, it's Absolutely. not, it's not that, it's not that they uh, uh, were trying to hold right down in any way, shape or form. But I mean, Marty, we know how these coaches are in this league. You know, when they start winning and, and they, you know, things start going in a positive manner, you're not really going to play around with that lineup too, too much. And, you know, it, with this type of a player with a high draft pick like this, it just, it, it doesn't make any sense to be, to be popping him in there for, you know, under nine minutes. I mean, at least this way, every situation shorthanded power play five on like this guy is going to get more than he could ever he could ever handle at this tournament on on yeah. and like i said on top of that even though this doesn't make up for a lost year it certainly is one of those events that these high draft picks do circle on the calendar uh you know in in their careers if you will so having missed yeah. having missed this I do think that this is going to be great for him. He certainly seems to be taking it with the, 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 the right attitude. And you know what? I hope nothing but the best for him. He's had a little bit of a raw shake with how everything went down with Seattle. And maybe this is a nice jumping off point for him. Maybe not so much jumping off back to the NHL, but just a, a way to kind of, you know, I wanted to say get his career back on track, but he was never off track. It's just, you know, not necessarily, maybe, yeah. maybe, taking two steps back to take one step forward how about we put it that way like going okay. taking going back to the world juniors then going back to the ohl you know starting fresh next year he's already got a good idea yeah. of what's going on in the nhl he's gotten eight games in there you know he was around the team even when uh you know he wasn't playing so it's a case where at least he's got an idea of how this league works now and what he needs to do Yep. Uh, how he can approach things, so on and so forth. And you know what? Like I say, wish nothing but the best for him. And I do I do think that he can dominate this yes. tournament. And I, I, if if you're new to the tournament uh, and the format and whatnot, um, great way to start. Because like I said, this is, this is going to be letting the cat out of the bag. Shane Wright has been raring to go since day one. 
Uh, kudos to him to getting the first goal and getting it against Montreal. Um, that probably felt really good. Um, but I think that's nothing compared to what we're about to see him in this tournament. So if you've never watched this tournament before, it starts on the December 26th um, and it runs till January. Well, it's usually mid, not mid, sorry, early January, like January 4th or 5th, somewhere around there. And it's just honest to God, it's one hell of a tournament to watch. Each and every game is worthy uh, of you tuning in. So by all means, do so. But definitely, uh, if you're just going to tune in for the Canadian ones, there's nothing wrong with that because Shane Wright is going to just turn the lights on, off, on, one or the other. Maybe both. Probably both. <laughs> now, spe- Probably now, speaking both. of turning the lights off or on, we're not <laughs> quite sure what the Avalanche are doing, but we do know. Oh, we geez. do know that they're being tested. The question is, Marty, will they earn a passing grade? My personal opinion is this. They've obviously been decimated by injuries at, to, to start this year. Everything from Landeskog not playing a game, McKinnon out now for the next four weeks, Nishushkin had a great start to the season and then got injured. Uh, I mean, yeah. combine that with the fact that you've got Kadri that's in Calgary now, Burkot, Bur- oh shit! Is Nishushkin back? He is back. Yes, back on the first line. Oh, he is. Yes, he is. Oh, so you combine. So nice. you combine. Sorry, no, no, keep it's going. all good. You combine all these injuries with the fact that Kadri's now in Calgary. You got Burkowski in yeah. Seattle now. Like y- you're yeah. you're missing some pieces that were uh, some really good depth oh, yeah. pieces. Now, yes, he went out and got Lekkinen, but there's another one who's had some injuries this year as well. So. <laughs> You know, it's been a rough go for the Avalanche to start the year, and and it has been sputtering at best. Um, Now, having said all of that, this is still a team that is above 500. They've played 18, or they've they've basically basically weathered the storm, in my personal opinion. Uh, With Nishushin coming back, I think that really helps because now now you've got another weapon that you can put on that first line with Rantanen. And Landeskog is now back as well. So you've got him that you can put on the first line. Sure, it's not kind of the first line that we've come to know and love in Colorado. But no. It, for, <laughs> no. for what they've gone through, I would say that they're in pretty good shape here. I mean, yes, this cl- the club is, is kind of holding its head above water, even in the midst of a slump right now, losing five of the last six games. But... There are there are some nice things here to look at. You do have Alex Georgiev, who's filled in admirably for the departed Darcy Kemper. He's got a stat line of 18 games played, 11 wins, 5 losses, and 2 in overtime. 2.65 GAA and a 9.20 save percentage, which, Marty, as you know, are actually some pretty decent numbers this year, especially yes. with the scoring being 100%. up. I mean, we're I'm yep. sure the club's looking for a little bit extra from a guy like Alex Newhook. And, you know, they're definitely trying to kind of hold things together here for Landeskog to come back, which I believe <laughs> is in kind of mid, mid to, I believe he is mid to late January. Uh, and I think McKinnon is kind of just as the year turns. So if they can kind of hold off here for about another three weeks, they should have some of the infirmary starting to kind of make their way back here. So, yes, been a struggle. Had some tough goes here to start the year. The first, you know, a little past the quarter mark here now of the year. But they are still a club that is, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they are still in a playoff spot. I think they may be in a wild. Yep. Oh, I yeah. think they're in a wild card. 
if I'm not mistaken. No, no. They, okay. No, they're in sixth. Okay, good, good. They're in sixth. And they've got... They've got uh, games to play. Least, they've got games to play. Oh, massive. Massive, yeah. And that's that's kind of what I really appreciate about this situation that they obviously don't want. Uh, they didn't necessarily ask for this kind of situation, but they've made the best of it. They weathered the storm to a degree. They went on some pretty. They went on a pretty lengthy uh, losing streak as a result, as one result of all of the injuries that they've had. Now that being said, this has kept them under the radar for the better part of this entire season. No one's really talking about them other than the fact that they're injured. Now the thing is, is that they've got 14 wins out of 26 games with the litany of injuries that they've had. And again litany of injuries that they've had this has been the entire season long for them and yet they still have several games above 500 um, and six spot in the west so they're still in the playoffs so this says a lot to their character this says a lot to their game but this says a lot for them come playoff time when they're fighting for the better positions because that's when everyone's going to be coming back. You still have Landis Gog, Helm, Manson, McKinnon, McDermott, Byram, and Rodriguez currently sitting out and they're actually still in sixth place. This is really impressive. And again, a byproduct of a horrible situation has kept them under the radar. So they're not that many teams are probably worried or even thinking about them because of all the reasons we just gave. But I think that makes them actually that much more powerful. So... It, you know, silver lining, turning something positive into a negative, good for Colorado. I would not bet them out in any way, shape, or form, especially down the stretch when everyone's going to be healthy. They're just hiding in the weeds, eh? Just kind of waiting to pounce here. Mm-hmm. And and I know, exa- and I know time, exactly yeah. what you mean. Like, you could kind of see this team, you know, maybe fifth, maybe fourth, uh, you know, a fourth yeah. spot uh, come playoff time. And then, and yeah. then they just turn it. Feast. Absolutely. I mean... They don't have the depth that they once had, so that no. will be that. But they've that got the will talent. be challenged. But they do have the talent, and you can never, you can never overlook the fact that there are still a massive amount of guys on that club that went through the whole sixteen wins last year during that playoff run. Yes, and they have Marty. Yes. There's nothing for it, right? I mean, and we'll never know ah. we've we'll never know we've never gone through the 16 games and don't know how it feels and, and what the experience is but compared to somebody who has not gone through it you just that's that's invaluable it's it's so invaluable to that club 100%. and i'm i'm sure that that is that is uh, definitely a reason why they've been able to hold their head above water is they're like okay listen we're not in the best yeah. spot right now experience we, we no panic we know we got these guys coming back it's not like mckinnon and landeskog are out until march like thankfully these guys are coming back here you know latest end of january here so that it's almost it's almost yeah. like a deadline pickup you know what i mean so yeah exactly so, so there's a hidden treasure yeah. in all all of this and, and how this is actually going to transpire for them down the stretch at the most important time if you want you know you're going to get injuries as a team it's going to creep up on you sometimes you get lucky and you don't and something severe but if if you're Traditionally speaking, if you're going to look down the barrel of, a, of an injury, this is when you want it as early as possible so that later in the season, those injured are coming back and those legs are still healthy. Not just healthy, sorry. They're still raring to go. They're, they're still fresh, right? Because they haven't played or they haven't played much. 
Now they're going to come back. They're all fixed up. You know, that injury isn't sort of lingering. They're coming back. They're healthy and they're excited and they're raring to go. And you're already in a playoff spot. Let's just keep it going. Holy geez. Come on. And these aren't, these aren't bad players. These aren't third line players that are coming back, which are still valuable. This is Landeskog. This is McKinnon. This is Byram. This is Rodriguez. These are players that make a difference on this team. hundred percent. It's going to be interesting to see how the second and a half goes here for these guys. I, I mean, in my personal opinion, I, I almost see see this as kind of like, this is a big long training camp for the Colorado Avalanche. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like yeah, you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's kind of like preseason right up until the boys get back there at the end of January. Sure. Then things kind of get cranked up. The vets start, you know, taking things seriously in like yeah. February and March, yeah. and then come playoff time, these guys are going to be ready to go. But you know what? I mean, it it, yeah. it goes to yeah. show you the 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 the, the, the chomps of a championship team, you know what I mean? Like these guys are able to kind yeah. of keep things together here while there's somewhat a little bit of chaos going around the team uh, in regards to injuries anyway. And they're still able yeah. to kind of figure it out here and hold their head above water until, until hopefully these guys get back and they're still above 500. They're still in a, in a good spot, but uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see how this, this all ends out. Well, we will have to, Wait on giving them our passing grade, I think, at this point. And the other thing we'll have to do is take a short break before we get into our beauties and beasts for a word from our sponsors. And we'll be right back. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can enjoy just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into even bigger payouts with same-game parlays, combine multiple bets like which team will win and how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I got a couple of beauties, actually a couple of solid beauties in this one this week. Well, you know what? Let me rifle through here since one of my beauties is already out the window. I, I like this one. I like this one. A little Pierre-Luc Dubois, a little PLD, if you oh, will. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, you know yeah, what? Yeah. I, I, I was getting ready and writing my notes down this week, and I, I have to be very honest and full disclosure here. I can't believe we really haven't talked about this guy more than we have like already Me too. like yeah I kind you're of right looked at a few things and with uh, what i have written down here was with you know with all the noise that you heard out of the dubois camp to start the year i want to play in montreal i don't want to play in montreal blah 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 yeah. blah this that contract contract this whatever this guy has actually put it all behind him he is over a point per game you're talking about a 6'2", 205-pound mm. forward. He's only 24, Marty. There's a lot of runway left here for this guy. 26 game played, yeah, oh yeah. 13 goals, 15 assists for 28 points. He's a minus two, 17.58 time on ice, which, Marty, we've talked about stuff like that before. And 18 minutes, no slouch, like he's getting some serious time. But if he ever finds himself on yep. a first line, 20, 20 and a half, 21 minutes, what could he end up doing? You know what I mean? Like the guy's got 20 over a point a game now under 18 minutes. He can't go wrong there. I mean, the no. the thing I'm happy for about him is, you know, he goes from Columbus and we know how that all ended. He goes to Winnipeg. He doesn't exactly shoot the lights out after the trade. And to the point where, you know, mm -hmm. even their fan base is kind of wondering, geez, like, 
is this guy just kind of biding his time yeah. until he ends up in a Montreal Canadiens uniform and all this and that and the other thing. And I have to give it to him. I, I have to tip my cap to him. He's played extremely well. Uh, that Winnipeg uh, team, I have to say, as a, a team as a whole, Oof. quite impressive. Did not see that coming necessarily with that group whatsoever. No. Um, I'm not saying that they would have no. hit rock bottom either there. I just, I didn't see the Jets being where they are right now, fighting for the Central Division lead and kind of sticking their noses in there. Hellebuck's back to playing the way he should. You know, even without the C, Wheeler's been playing great. Uh, Shifley's doing his thing. Yeah. Connors, after a bit of a, a tough go to start the year, is, uh, you know, getting his uh, apples and cookies as well. But when it comes to Pierre-Luc Dubois, I don't really think there's many people who would have sat here, you know, again, 26 games into his season and said that he was a point-of-game player. So all the power to him. He's no. having a great, great uh, year. And the bonus for him is he will be a, a restricted free agent at the end yeah. of the year. So, yes, he's restricted. So it's not like he can go out and get the most money per se. But the way he's playing, mm -hmm. if Winnipeg wants to keep him, they're going to pay him. And for that matter, any other team who's looking to get their hands on him. So good on That's Dubois. Right. He's playing really, really well. And, you know, I hope we can keep it going here because as a high draft pick, I'm sure he saw a lot of himself. And I'm sure a lot, the league itself saw a lot, a lot out of him. And it's finally coming to fruition. So Got to hand it to a guy who picks up his socks and actually says, all right, screw this. I'm going to start playing well. And actually goes out and plays really well. Obviously, the system that um, that's come into Winnipeg has has had some sort of effect on him. But you got to give credit where credit is, credit is due. Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois has absolutely earned the numbers that he's putting up. Uh, he deserves the praise, and he certainly deserves to be on the beauties list. Well, speaking of the beauties list, one guy that I never thought I would have on this list, Matthias Maselli. <laughs> who who do you ask? Well, listen. Who? Basically This who? guy, 5'11", he's 176 pounds, so he's kind of a, you know, a little slight. 22 years old. He's played 23 games this year with two goals and 17 assists for 19 points, which is, in all honesty, what really kind of shot off the page for me. He's a plus one in Arizona and, and playing 15-13 yeah. uh, time on ice a night. I mean, he's a fourth-round pick from 2019, and he sure is making up for lost time. I mean, he has flirted with a point per game for most of the year, which, again, kind of a no-name coming out of nowhere, fourth-round pick. And in Arizona, mm -hmm. uh, at 19 points in 23 games, I would say that you are a point a game, my friend. So even if you aren't. Yes. But, I mean, you know what? So, <laughs> somebody has to – I mean, somebody has to score out there in Arizona. And there's definitely some opportunity for, for some guys who – maybe wouldn't have been on the radar to kind of, you know, slip through uh, the cracks and, and, and prove what their worth is. And I mean, this guy's playing on the second line. He's playing on the team's second power play unit. If he can ever get any exposure to uh, Clayton Keller, geez, man. I mean, there's, oh, well, yeah. there's just kind of no telling what he can do. I mean, Christ, I, I, I until I started looking this guy up, I didn't know who the hell he was. And 19 points True. in 23 Me games. Either. And I'm sorry, guys, but I'll say it again. It's friggin' in Arizona. Like there's not much around well, yeah. to play with. So, I mean, you got to give it to the kid. I mean, he certainly is uh, trying to plan himself as, uh, you know, being a part of the team's future. And, you know, he's certainly a guy that if you're in daily fantasy, you probably want to take a quick look at him. He has done surprisingly well almost everywhere he's ever gone. He uh, started out, from what I can see from HockeyDB here, he started out in the, in the United States Hockey League doing pretty much 
exactly what we're seeing out of here. In fact, a little bit more. Uh, 72 points was his last year uh, in 18-19 in the the USHL. He shifted over to uh, Liga and didn't slow down at all. And then in the AHL, 57 and 47. So he has done well in his career wherever he's gone. I think he needs a bit of a better surrounding for him to actually pick up the pace. 19 and 24 is nothing to sneeze at, especially like you said, especially in Arizona. But like you said too, um, if we can see him with some top pairing, I think you'll, those numbers will go north pretty fast. And then, you know, some W's for the team as well. So there's a win-win situation there too. He's also played the World Junior Championships, uh, five points in seven games for Finland. Um, so again, he can handle the stage. So why not give him the stage now? Who else are you giving it to in Arizona? Just give it to him. I'm on the first line, baby. Let this guy play like 19, 20 minutes a game, see what he can do. Do it. Now, let him fly. Somebody you don't want doing anything right now. Oh, especially if you're in a league that counts plus minus. Now, listen, I, I may go off on this guy a little bit, but it's because I have had this guy in several pools over the years. And yeah. listen, it's been a struggle for Tory Krug this year, to say the least. And his <laughs> days in Boston are long gone. Mm. I remember this guy kind of being, you know, 50-point guy, almost a lock every year. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he did three years in a row in Boston. I mean, he just, I don't know if it's the the, the team, the system, whatever the case may be, but since he's went over to St. Louis, I mean, yeah, he's had one year where I think he had something like 43 points in 65 or 60-some games, whatever it was. But I mean, he just doesn't yeah. seem to be the same. I mean, I grabbed him from your dad last year, yeah. you know, to try and give me a little extra boost. Could have kept that fourth round pick. But anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but listen, I mean, the stat line does not really say too, too much here this year for Krug. I mean, in 25 games played, he's got five goals and six assists for 11 points. Like I mentioned, his plus minus is kind of horrible here. It's minus 23, and he's playing 1920 uh, time on ice. Now, listen, I know a little bit of how the team's played this year probably, you know, bleeds into that a little bit. But at the, by the same token, I just don't think you're going to get the Tory Krug that you had for a number of years in Boston. I, I just don't think that he's necessarily the most viable option to, to, to go with on defense anymore. I mean, St. Louis is supposed to kind of be a decent team. They're really struggling this year. They either go on an eight-game winning streak and an eight-game losing streak, so they're very, very inconsistent. Obviously, that's kind of bled into some of the players as well. But, I mean, if... <laughs> If you can get your hands on any other better option than Krug right now, you probably want to do so. Like I say, in particular, if you're in any kind of a pool that's dealing with plus minus, he just doesn't seem to have any kind of mojo going on right now. And of course, the team is not exactly playing lights out either. No, and I think you hit the nail on the head nice and early there where Tory Krug has just simply never been the same player he was in Boston ever since he's been in St. Louis. Um, yes, he had one year where you could say all right this i can see i can see why you went out and got him it was his second year he's 43 points 60 in 64 uh, games nine of those goals you know that's a decent that's a decent year for for a defenseman for sure certainly not what the numbers he used to put up in boston you know 14 goals 45 assists 59 points that kind of stuff he's just never been the same yes it's true st louis is struggling but this has been Krug since day one, since he's come over to St. Louis. He's just not, it's sometimes you just don't, it, there's just not a fit. And trying to force that is just never going to work. And I think you're kind of seeing that 
maybe that's what you're seeing with a couple of players in St. Louis. I, I would throw out uh, maybe Ryan O'Reilly as being another example of where he's overstayed, not overstayed his welcome, but it, the fit just isn't there anymore. So Kroger would be another player in that category. And there's a couple of the players in St. Louis. And I think that's what's going on in St. Louis is that you've got some players who just don't fit anymore and they should have left a long time ago, but because of contracts, they're stuck there. Bennington obviously being a big elephant in the room and all this but sticking with Tory Krug I just don't see how he writes the ship he's a minus 23 he's one of your he's supposed to be one of your top defensemen on this team and you're at minus 23 that ain't gonna cut it you were a plus 23 last year you're a minus 23 you went in the exact opposite direction we can't have this so there's no reason to have a player like Tory Krug on your team certainly not starting oh, anyway Christ, it's not even 30 games into the season yet and this guy's a minus 23 like He's, ch- you know, he's he's it's just going to well. Worse. He's climbing pretty quick here. So, and and again, I know the team <laughs> hasn't hasn't played well, and that certainly probably leads to some of his struggles. But man, it's just not. It hasn't been there. It hasn't been there for yeah. a number of years now, and I just don't know if he's ever going to be able to get it back. If he's going to get it back, it's going to be on a contract year, and that's going to be the only reason why. And that's the thing, and that's <laughs> right? the thing too. Like he's got another four years after this at six point five. That's. That's what I mean. Like St. Louis has kind of put themselves behind the eight ball with a couple of these contracts. And uh, Krug is definitely guilty of that. Uh, Biddington is another one. So, but anyways, (laughs) poor St. Louis. I feel bad for the fans. Uh, It's a good organization last year, you know, great, great season as well. And they won the cup. What was it in? No, wait, did they? 2019. When did they hoist the cup? 2019. Thank you. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, So it wasn't that long ago. So to have a fall from grace that fast, like, Ugh. You know, you're certainly not the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's for damn sure. Anyways, moving right along, uh, my my top beauty, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Now, this is, I feel bad. I, I not bad. Sorry, I feel I feel like I really missed it. He was one of the guys at the top of my list at the beginning of the draft for this for the entry draft for this year. Um, but because some of the picks threw me off, he fell off my sheet completely. So anyways, 11 points in his last seven games. Uh, he's really shown how great he can be. Uh, he's been a reliable secondary scoring weapon for Edmonton so far all season long, uh, sitting on the season at 14 goals and 19 assists in 28 games played. He might actually break his own record for points in the season, which is 69. He's currently on pace for 95, and obviously that's not going to happen. But I would expect him to land somewhere in the 70-point mark this year for the first time in his career because he's got that kind of consistency. Like There's been enough in this season so far. We've seen enough out of Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And what's impressive, too, is also with the way Hyman's been playing as well so the two actually kind of not necessarily together on the same line but I, th- I can see them in the locker room kind of pushing each other a little bit because they're both kind of having similar years but Ryan Nugent Hopkins I've always liked him I've always felt he could do more uh, he's been inconsistent has been his biggest Achilles heel but this year has been very consistent and that's why we're seeing the numbers out of him right now so I think he holds on to this and I think he sees I think we see him north of 70 this year for the first time which is great He's a good player. I mean, I have to 100% agree with you. I think the only thing that was missing in his game was consistency. I mean, listen, you got McDavid, you got Dreisaitl. It's not like you need this guy to score 120 points there. You need a a guy who's going to consistently be a good secondary scorer. Like you said, you've got Hyman there, and he's playing well. You got uh, uh, Kane who's going to come back. I don't know how that could take a little bit of time, even when he comes back, because of where the injury is. I mean, you know, this this guy puts True. a lot of uh, a lot of pressure on those wrists, obviously, right? With a sh- with a yeah. shot, so you know, is he gonna 
is he going to have it right away? Maybe not. Hopefully he can get back. And I mean, I don't even know how long he's out for uh, Kane. I, Kane? I, yeah. Ooh, he's still got a couple of weeks left, but I last I read, he still didn't have feeling in his uh, in his thumb. I think it was, so there was still time, obviously. So yeah, not I mean, not ideal. <laughs> I mean, he's doing exactly what they need him to do, right? I mean, we, we've yes. always, when it comes to Edmonton, we've been clamoring for above average goaltending or average goaltending. Well, this is exactly what they need from their forward group is they need mm-hmm. somebody and one or two guys to kind of supplant the McDavid's and the dry sidles. I mean, yeah. listen, they're exceptional players, uh, uh, dry sidle and McDavid, but you, you, you cannot, you cannot be successful in the playoffs by completely and utterly only leaning on those two players. You just can't do it. Uh, it uh, eventually th- there will be someone who can maybe not stop them, but slow them down. And then someone else is going to have to score. In the playoffs, you can match. Uh, now, listen, I'm not saying you can find someone on your team that can be as good as a McDavid, but you can match goals as the, as the other mm-hmm. team. So if you've only got McDavid and Drysdale scoring goals, you can match that. They can only score goals when they're on their when they're actually on the ice. So they're not scoring all the time. So McDavid, yes, McDavid can go off and he can score a hat trick. Absolutely. But as the other team, you can score three goals. Now, secondary scoring, what secondary scoring is, is not 50 points a year. 50, secondary scoring is 65, 70, 75. Now you've got secondary scoring. And that's the neighborhood that Ryan Nugent Hopkins finally finds himself in. Now he's in the realm of secondary scoring where we don't necessarily have to worry too, too much about it. Again, it can't all fall on him either. That's why Zach Hyman having himself a year as well, 28 points in 27 games. So there seems to be a bit of spread of love. If you've got top four scoring, you got your top two doing their thing and you got secondary scoring doing their thing. Now you're starting to look pretty good. Skinner playing absolutely well. Edmonton looking good. And it honestly is a bit, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a big reason why this team will be successful this year. And I think he's going to be, I think he's going to keep going north of what he's doing right now. And like I said, he'll be a 70, 70 I'm, prediction, 77 points for Ryan Nugent Hopkins this year. That's a huge season for him. Huge. Big season. So Sidney Crosby is number two, 10 points in his last seven games, sitting at 17, 21, and 28. So Mr. Crosby has really shown there's no reason to talk retirement just yet. In fact, I'll go even further and say he's only missed one, since because he's only missed one game so far this season, I'll say he has a solid chance at 50 goals for just the second time in his illustrious career. He will, however, be over 90 points no matter what happens. So this is this kind of makes you wonder what could have happened last year, because last year, he was playing last year just as much as he's playing this year. In fact, he was better last year. 84 points in 69 games last year. <coughs> Had he stayed injury-free, I think we would have seen exactly what I'm talking about right now, except not as many goals. I do think he lands near 50. My, I, I, I have a feeling. There's a 50-50 chance he lands. Obviously. There's a 50-50 chance he lands with 50 goals this year. But I think it's safe to say he'll be north of 90 this year. So Sidney Crosby at 36, uh, he's in the top 10 right now. He's, For me, he's always in the conversation for the top five in the world. But until you put up the points, it's always debatable. But I don't think it's necessarily debatable right now. There's a lot of players playing extremely well right now. There's a lot of offense going around right now. But Crosby is just simply not slowing down. In fact, he's picking up. So I, that's why I put him as my second beast this year because, or this week, uh, sorry, beauty this week because, um, yeah, it's just he's been so consistent this year and not missing any games. 
Sidney Crosby doing Sidney Crosby things, man. I mean, mm. one of the best all time. So he, he's one of those guys where I mean, we we would all literally have to see this guy score like forty five points in a in an eighty two game season to say, okay, he's finally done there type of deal. And yeah. you and you and I both know we'll never see that because he'll retire before then. Like I mean, That's this right. guy this happen. this guy knows when when it's going to be time, and obviously it isn't right now because no. He, he is playing as well as he's ever played, and yeah, it every year it just keeps getting more and more impressive because, dude, like it gets harder and harder for him to be able to kind of get that motor started and get that you know, get that juice flowing in regards to you know training and, and so on. Exactly. So yeah. I mean, the fact that he's playing and to the put way up is, twenty minutes a game at, yeah. at his age and yeah. putting up the points that he's putting, like, come on, man, this is not an easy thing to do. This is not an easy league to do. It's the best league in the world. This is impressive. Um, regardless of who you are, regardless of your age, you're putting up 38 points in 20. Like, we'll all talk about Pasta doing this, Panarin, uh, Krill, Kaprasov, like all these players doing exactly what Sidney Crosby is doing. And we're all impressed with them. We need to be even more impressed with Crosby because this is what he does year in, year out. This is what he's done his entire career. He's simply not slowing down. And that is the, that is to me, is the, not necessarily the points, the fact that he's still not slowing down. That's the impressive part. I can say that Ovechkin is kind of slowing down. His last four goals are all empty netters, <laughs> which I'm fine with. I got no issues with that. I know some people are like, oh, you can't beat the record with that. Yes, you can. Uh, he's that. In fact, he's he's chasing Gretzky for that record too, for the most empty netters in a career, and he's second to Gretzky, who's I think got 54, something like that. So it's fine. But what I'm getting at is that right now Ovechkin, I I feel like I can see it in him a little bit. Uh, yes, Ovechkin has played a little bit uh, heavier of a style in his career. He's thrown the body around a little bit more than Crosby. Crosby, on the other hand, excuse me, has had a lot of injuries in his career. But what's, again, impressive about his career, the back end of his career has been more cons healthy and consistently healthy, mm -hmm. the back end of his career. So he's put in a lot of work to stay healthy for the longevity, for the, for the, for the back nine of his career. And he's done exactly that. And he's, it's been very, very impressive. And this year is no different. 38 and 28, 17 goals. That's nothing to sneeze at. In fact, I think he's tied for Ovi, with Ovi right now. So You know what? I'll give you a fifth rounder for him. <laughs> Boy, aren't you generous right now? Oh well, yeah. Okay. Rounder. All right. I'll throw in a. I'll throw in a third round midseason. There mid you go. Yeah. There <laughs> you go. There you go. Wow. Oh, you got to love it. Done. Oh, hey, listen. No. Keep it up, Cross. Keep it up. We're gonna need nah, next guy, I, I I do wonder, and I can see that you put in a, a note here, but I, I did wonder, I should say, um, if there's any regret in your part. So Taylor Hall, he's been basically a beast ever since you let him go. Maybe not a beast, but still, he's been currently he's currently sitting at 11 goals and 10 assists, and that may not sound like much, but since Mike has let him go, he's got eight points his last five games. So Mike let him go around the 27th of November, and, and the, there's been five games since then. He's had eight points. Five of those are goals. Is there any None. regret? None. None no, whatsoever. Alex Tuck so you him. see it's this tapering off. Listen, I... Uh, no, no. I, okay, yeah, I, exactly. I've yeah. had... No, sorry. I wouldn't say you got Tuck for him. 
You dropped no, Hall. No, I dropped Hall. So basically, I. So you could have dropped anybody. Well, I could have dropped anybody, but I... so you chose to. Oh yeah, that's right. So you chose to let go of Hall. He uh, he's too hot and cold. He's just too hot and cold for me. Like, don't get me don't get me You're wrong. Right. He goes through right. spells like he's going through right now, eight and five. That's awesome. It's great. But then you know, yeah, I I would dress him this week, and he would get me fuck all. You know what I mean? Like. So yeah, I, I just right. I, I can't <laughs> I can't handle it with Taylor Hall. I've had him in other pools recently as well, and it just has not gone well. Yeah. So it doesn't. And even no. you know, so fantasy managers out there, dress dress him if you, if you want, but at your own risk, yeah, at your own peril, man, because he's a hot and cold. He he, yeah. he can get you some points, but they come in bunches, man. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and for my beasts, uh, I've landed with two. So Samuel Girardi and Devin, Devin Taze. So these two are both great defensemen and usually do a fair bit of damage offensively as well. But with the laundry list of injuries, it's clear these two can't really be relied on to add to that offense if there's no one around them. Now, this might sound unfair, but neither have really done anything all season long. Gerard is currently sitting at a gaudy one goal, four assists in 20 games. Taze isn't that necessarily that much better with only one goal himself, but he does have 15 assists. So still, neither are really showing that they can actually help this team when needed because of the injuries. So obviously when the injured bodies come back, these two are probably going to start playing a little bit better. Um, but I don't like seeing that. These guys are actually there to do a lot more than what they're currently doing. It'd be nice if they could actually chip in when, you know, when there's no one around. But like I said, obviously these guys need a supporting cast in order to do more than to do sorry to do something offensively they're paid to play defense and they're good defenders but that they've got the little boost in their contracts because they've shown that they can do things offensively or so we thought but the second you take out those 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 other forwards then they struggle. Okay, well, then you're not exactly come as advertising, in my opinion. Well, I mean, you know, you said it right off the top with the injuries, and, and you know, I alluded to it earlier in the program. Taze, I, I don't have a problem with. I think that he can manage on his own. I think that he can kind of, you know, create his own offense, so to speak. I mean, it's gonna, def, certainly going to help whenever you got guys like McKinnon yeah. and Landeskog, you know, tipping pucks in and, and passing off to these guys. But... When it comes to Sam uh, Samuel Gerard, I I've always seen him Marty as a bit of a trade piece. Basically, I've yeah. always seen him as as you know they would need a certain something, whatever that case may be on the, in any given year. They use him as part of that. I mean, they've got a plethora of defensemen and and, and skilled yeah. defensemen, so it'll be interesting to see how that all works out. I mean, of course, Gerard is is gonna is going to struggle a bit too with all of those injuries, you know, even more so I think than Taze, but you are, you are right though. I mean, they are being paid handsomely and they certainly aren't, you know, living up to their end of the bargain production wise. Because the chips are down and this is when it matters. Um, And to me, they're not doing their, their part. Now it's, it's fair to say that like, well, you know, again, you've taken away anyone who can do anything. They're on defense. What do you really expect from them? I expect them to play well. And minus eight from Samuel Gerrard is not playing well, regardless of the points that he's that I'm talking about. If okay, fine. If he's not meant to do the points thing, then he is supposed to be doing the keeping the net out of the keeping the puck out of the nets thing. And the minus eight is not going to do it. Um, and he's one of a, f- a small handful of players on this on this team in the minus category. And in fact, as I look at it right now, he's the worst. He's sitting at minus eight. He's the worst one on the team. 
So I'm sorry, that contract doesn't really cut cut the mustard anymore at that point. So these are gaudy numbers. Um, Devin Tays, I've got him personally on, on my team. I, I feel 16 points, one goal after uh, after this stretch in 24 games is a down year for him. Everyone's allowed to have a down year, but it's a down year. So you're going to be on my beast because <laughs> you're just not putting up the numbers. And that's that's just a fact of the matter. Expectations, oh, eh? Oh, I got expectations. Oh, like, yeah. t- t- Do it. Well, no, but I mean, like, the expectations are raised when it comes to Devin Absolutely. Tays. I mean, he has a, the year that he had yes. last year, you're kind of expecting something yeah. like that. And isn't it weird to say, like, he's got 16 points in 24 games, I yeah. believe he said? Like, that's not horrible, no. right? But when you protected yeah. him and your idea of production regards to his game, you were probably looking at something, if not a point per game, close to it so he had 13 it, goals last year he had 57 in 66 plus the 13 makes him a 70 in 60 that's i'm not necessarily saying that's what i expected out of him this year but 17 in 24 is close. definitely not <laughs> yeah. So, yeah you're you're definitely looking for something close absolutely to a point per game, yeah for sure still time sure. i'm not dropping him not trading him but there's i'm just not too impressed with him so that's why he's on my beast list so, yeah I wish you wouldn't have said about the trading thing. I was going to offer you like a fourth round mid form. <laughs> Not a chance in hell. Well, okay. Him and Crosby for the... Okay. Yeah, now, now, okay. We'll talk. Okay. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right, folks. There it is. That's Number an, eight. Another one in the bag. Nice and clean. Oh, I like yeah. It. That was a good one. Yeah, that was definitely a good one. I like switch. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you're interested in reaching out to us, you can email us at twoguysaleague and some guests at gmail.com. You can find our latest episodes at anchor.fm slash Or you can follow us on Twitter where you can find all of our info. Our handle is at Tugalag. That's the number two, followed by G-A-L-A-G. Don't forget to like, follow, and share. Thanks for listening, and until next time.